hi everybody. If this is your first time here, or even if you've been here before, welcome to Thrive Church. You know, I say this every week, but I really mean it. I am so grateful that you choose to spend your Sunday morning with us. We have been in the um, midst of a, a series called um, In Real Life, IRL, where we've been walking through the book of James. And um, really the idea behind it was to to think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus every single day, not just on Sundays, but to actually think about it um, uh, on a day-to-day basis. Today, however, um, we're going to hit the pause button. And uh, uh, we'll eventually come back to the book of James and the whole idea of in real life. But uh, a couple things have occurred over the last week or two um, that have given uh, our staff basically a pause uh, to think about things a little bit differently. And, and let, me, let me kind of explain it to you. Last week in, in our James series, we were in James chapter 3, and he was talking about this idea of taming the tongue. And of course, in our discussion, we, we, we realized that if you're going to tame the tongue, you have to deal with the heart. Um, because of this, this um, quote by Jesus, he said, for, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so everything that's coming out of here is sourced down here. And of course, if you're dealing with the heart, then you're definitely dealing with emotions. And sometimes our emotions cause our tongue to get away from us. And we have to deal um, with how we're feeling inside and we have to deal with how we make others feel and how we impact them and, and all of that. And that was part of, part of that discussion. You have to deal um, with the emotions. And apparently this resonated with a number of people. And I know this because I got a lot of, of, of little notes back um, from some of you after that. Uh, apparently James was meddling that day and, and you all felt that. Our staff uh, kind of took that to heart and we felt like maybe God was trying to uh, tell us we needed to camp out here a little bit longer. The second reason uh, why we're hitting the pause button at this point um, is that about a week or so ago, we were made aware of an observation um, made by uh, uh, some people that are in the, the mental health community. And the, the best way to describe it is that when there's a natural disaster or um, what we would call collective trauma, when a group of people experience something truly negative, there's an interesting phenomenon that occurs about six months later. And <laughs> um, what happens is in that time frame, there's an increase in the number of cases of what we call situational depression. I'm not talking about clinical depression. That has to do with, with chemical imbalances in the brain and, and you know, some other issues. Situational depression is, uh, is a form of sadness. It's the best way to describe it. There's, there's just this deeper sense of sadness. And the six-month mark is, is fascinating. Now, obviously, some people are going to experience a, you know, you know, sooner than six months, and other people will be after six months. But the vast majority of people, there is a sadness after some type of major negative event, collective trauma, that causes an increase in depression. And this has been documented in, you know, hurricanes. So there's another one of those coming up. Um, and um, 
the uh, um, uh, things like tornadoes and earthquakes and, and that sort of thing. Well, if we think about it, the lockdown that we all experienced because of the pandemic occurred in March. And we're coming into September. And if I do my math right, the ninth month minus the third month means we're about six months into this. And as we were talking about this observation that, um, that we, had, we had read, our staff said, yeah, we're seeing that. We're seeing that in our family, in our friends. And if we're completely honest, yes, we're experiencing it too. And, and for some people, it's very subtle. And other people, it's, it's much more overt. It's much more noticeable. But again, we felt like maybe God wants us to address this. And, and now would be a good time to do it. Almost like the, the James chapter set us up for it as if maybe the Holy Spirit was up to something. And so we're going to uh, do our best to listen as a staff and to follow and you know, respond in this particular case. And, and so we're going to talk about this a little bit more over the next couple of weeks. And of course, if we're dealing with things like emotions, um, it's really helpful to <laughs> it's really helpful to go to the poets uh, because poetry in itself is very much the language of the heart and there's a great big body of poetic literature within within the bible and um, i want to draw your attention to to one particular psalm there's, there's other places where we can find this but one in particular and this happens to be in psalm 43 uh, I've got it up here on the screen. Let me read it for you. If you've got a Bible, you might want to follow along. But the poet says, Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Y you can hear the emotion in this passage there's there's just there's some anger and there's some anxiety here and yes there's sadness there's some depression and and frustration and probably a host of others as as well and and i think it's it's pretty easy for us to empathize with it um this lament so to speak because i i know i've felt that way and you probably have have too at least from time to time. It's just interesting to me that this was written probably about 3,000 years ago. And <laughs> you know what? Some things about human beings just don't change. We experience something and we feel and we just have to do something with those emotions. And remember that God gives us emotions for a reason. They're not just there randomly. They're not there to to bother us, so to speak, but rather emotions are given to us by God to help us understand life, and we have to pay attention to it. Remember back last week when we were talking about a depression, situational depression that is, um, it's really the signal of an impossible goal. Um, it, it, it more or less communicates to you that you are clinging desperately uh, to some type of goal that you have very little chance of achieving. Very difficult for you to do. The signal, it signals an impossible goal. It's something that you're not going to be able to achieve. And we get down about it. We get sad and, and, and depressed. 
let me see if I can give you an illustration for this. That's eh, a little bit lighter, but um, I think you'll understand. Have you ever had one of those moments where you've fantasized about winning the lottery? Have you done that? It's really easy to do because there's several billboards on uh, the Broken Arrow Expressway where you get the, the um, jackpot for, I think it's Powerball and Mega Millions, and they're both on the same board. And w one is like on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The other one's like on Wednesday or Friday or Saturday. I don't know when it is, but, uh, but they're up there. And sometimes those numbers creep up to be really big numbers. And there's this part of your brain that kicks in and you're like, wow, what, what would I do with that? And then you start wondering, wow, I would buy this and I would buy that and I would pay off the debt and I would probably help my brother-in-law or my, my cousins or whatever. Whatever it happens to be, you, you go through those things in your mind and yes, I'm going to make a big do donation to my favorite charity, which happens to be this little church in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Thrive, right? <laughs> yeah, we all go through that and, and we see those big numbers and, and, and the thing of it is, is if you let yourself do it for too long. I don't know if you've noticed this, but very often we start to become a little depressed. We start out excited, but then we get down. And I think what's going on there is in the back of our mind, we know that the odds of that actually occurring are so astronomical that we start getting a little depressed because we realize all the good that we want to do with it. Or the benefit that it would be to us and the, and the people around us. And it, it's just a pipe dream. And we know that. And we become down about it. Now, that's not a trauma, but that's a good thing. And, and we, this happens to us. And we start realizing that we're clinging on to a goal, winning that money, and it's virtually impossible to do. And so we get down. Now, again, this is a lighter example of what we're talking about, but I think that you you understand. I think you understand how that how that goes. And so here we are, you know, six months um, of lockdown, and and the reason why we're feeling this collective de depression is um, because there's really no end in sight. Uh, it it seems like the more we talk about it, the longer this thing. Uh, has is going to be that the timeline keeps moving out and I've heard you know oh, it might be another year or two or we may never eradicate it and you know and the list goes on and on and and I think the other piece of of all of this that really affects us hap has to do with the fact that the the idea of returning to normal doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon if ever. Mm. Because I think everything has changed. I mean, everything has changed because of this. And what we want isn't likely to occur. It's no wonder we're a little depressed. The world has changed and shifted. And what we once thought uh, was normal probably not going to happen again, at least not anytime soon. And that's a depressing thought. So the question is, you know, like you know, the psalmist, like the poet says, you know, has, has God forgotten us or has he hid his face 
from us, or or maybe maybe if your your brain is like mine, maybe God's punishing us for something, right? Yeah, or maybe we're just simply living with consequences of our own actions in some way, shape, or form, and it's depressing. Fortunately for us, the poet has not finished his lyrics, and he goes on, and he says to the Lord, "Send me your light and your faithful care." Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my joy and my delight, I will praise you with the lyre. O God, my God. So what what does the poet do after he lodged his complaint? Where does the poet go? Hmm. He goes to the altar of God. He goes to the place of God where God dwells. Mm, That sounds a little bit like presence to me. Attempts to get into the presence of God, he chases after it. Again, despite the circumstance, he's persistent in this. And he's steadfast in his belief that God can change things. Whether he changes the, uh, the circumstances or the situation or he changes the human heart. Doesn't matter. He's going to get into the presence of God. And that's where he goes. He puts himself in a position to listen and to respond to the thing that he hears. He gets into the presence of God. Then he concludes with this. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So he gets into the, the presence of God and he, he kind of chastises himself a little bit. And he worships. And he spends that time in his presence. And so really, if you're, if you're kind of following this, He shifts his focus. He started talking about all the things that were wrong, and then he shifts his gaze back upward towards towards God himself. It's a a question of posture. And the posture is, are are we we, looking downwards? Are we looking out? Are we looking up kind of a thing? It's a question of posture, the one that he takes. Now, it's really interesting to me um, that the poet is first honest about how he feels. I mean, he's griping and moaning here. Uh, He's wondering not only, you know, why God has allowed this, but he's also kind of wondering where God is in all of it. He's honest. But then he, he makes this willful decision to to return back to his source, to return to that that place that he knows, and and frankly, to to return to hope. You know, not just the sense of of lament, but there is this one of hope. Why are you downcast? He says to himself, put your hope in God, as if, duh, you know this. Why why aren't you? Hmm. And then he chooses to stay there. He chooses to stay in that posture 
that despite the circumstances, he takes up his instrument and he worships. He does something while he's in the presence of God. Now look, the danger here, and I think the danger to, to all of us in, in the midst of the craziness that seems to go, be going on around us, the danger here is to just offer nice Christian platitudes. You know, things like, oh, you know, it'll be okay, or get over it. Yeah, that one's so helpful. <laughs> or, you know, just trust God, it's going to be all right. And I suppose that's true as far as it goes, but but I want you to notice something about this particular poem, about this set of lyrics. I want you to notice what the poet <laughs> does not mention. He doesn't say anything about his circumstances changing. He doesn't, he doesn't spend his time worshiping, and then all of a sudden, poof, everything is magically okay again. It doesn't say that. In fact, the, the poem ends right there. In that set of, of circumstances, at least that, that phrasing does. And, and he doesn't say anything about that. And yet he still chases after the presence of God. Nothing about the circumstances, but everything about, about how he's trying to reconnect with his God and with his Father. And also, I want you to notice the other thing that he does, and I think this is really important is that he took responsibility for himself. Look, he's in a, a set of circumstances that he can't change. Depression is the signal of impo an, an impossible goal. And so his goal, whatever it was, the circumstances he's in, he can't change those, but he can change himself. He can change his posture. And so he does that. He did what he could do, and that was chase after God the one who could change things. Don't miss that. That is an, an important feature of this poem, and frankly, others that you might find. Uh, if you get a chance, go look at Psalm chapter or Psalm 13. Um, it's beautiful, almost in parallel to the thing that we're reading here. but it's taking responsibility for the things that you can change. And the only thing I can change is me and what I do with the circumstances I'm living in. And finding that source of hope and leaning into it a little bit more every single day despite the pandemic. This isn't about platitudes. This is about the reality of being a disciple of Jesus and putting myself into a position, putting yourself into a position where you can actually listen to what God is saying and respond. That's real discipleship. That's hard. That isn't easy. That is a very difficult task. Sounds simple, but it's a lot easier to execute. And so I just want to take a moment and say, look, if you're feeling the reality of all of this, if you're feeling the reality of the pandemic, if you're you know, spouse and kids are driving you crazy because you've been inside a lot. Or um, maybe you've got the worry of the economic conditions, you know, what, what's going to happen to my job or my income or my mortgage or the economics all of, of it all. Or if you're feeling the reality of the elections, my goodness, that kind of, you know, has been this slow, steady, painful buildup and we still got a few months to go on that one. Or maybe you're feeling the reality of the social tensions. 
all of the crazy stuff that seems to be going on around the country and, and the question marks that are being raised and how people are responding to one another. And, and on top of the hurricanes, right? Um, Hurricane Laura just this, this weekend or just this week. And of course, the polarization that's happening over all of these things, and it doesn't seem like we're even listening or paying attention or even care about, about others. And so I, I just want to suggest to you, just want to suggest to you, first, you need to acknowledge the fact that you're feeling sad and depressed about it. God can handle that. So just acknowledge it. I think you have to be real with yourself first and say, this is the way I'm feeling. And, and maybe, maybe you have been feeling this way all along and you, you just haven't realized it. There's this slow, subtle kind of malaise that has just settled on your house and on your relationships. I, I know, you know that's happened in, in our family to a certain extent and I've seen it with others and, and you probably have too and you just didn't have words for it. That's depression six months after collective trauma when the economy shut down, when the country shut down, that was a collective trauma. It raised a lot of questions. We wonder what was going to happen next. And here we are six months later and we're feeling sad about it. That's normal. If you're feeling that way, it's normal. Please don't think that you are some type of special case, that there's something wrong with you because you're feeling this. Fact of the matter is a lot of people are. It's why you're seeing so many emotions explode in so many different areas. It's normal. And I want you to hear that from me. I want you to understand we know that this is normal behavior for human beings. The other thing I want to suggest to you is that you don't have to stay there. You, you may still experience uh, some of that depression, some of that sadness, but you don't have to necessarily stay there. And I want to encourage you to follow the poet and chase after the presence of God, not because he's some type of magic wand. That's not what I'm suggesting. The poet doesn't say anything about a change in circumstances. What he does is he shifts his focus to his source of hope. So my question is then, where's your hope? It's not going to be in any political leader. I'm sorry. There's no party that will occupy the three branches of government that are actually going to change the circumstances for everybody. That's not a place to put your hope. You also um, can't find it necessarily in just the people around you because they're feeling the same way that you are. Yes, we can have commu community. Yes, we can encourage one another, all of those things. But ultimately, the source of hope comes back to God our Father and trying to connect with him on a deeper level each and every day, not just once a week, not just when we turn on YouTube or Facebook to watch you know, Thrive Church on Sunday. Yes, please do that. Got some stuff coming up here in the next couple of weeks that hopefully will be additional encouragement and that, that should be supplemental, but it's supplemental only to, only to your Father who loves you desperately 
and has more hope than you could possibly imagine. So if you're feeling that stress, you're feeling that reality, if you're feeling depressed about it, it's normal. Just acknowledge it. And then you go before God and say, Lord, what do I do with this? What do you have in mind? What is it that you want to do? What do you want to say? And then listen very carefully. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know all things. You know what's going on in this country. You know what's going on in our local communities. And yes, Lord, you know what's going on precisely in our hearts. And I just pray for um, those people who call Thrive Church home. Lord, that you would meet all of us right where we are. That we would have the courage to look beyond the circumstances, to reconnect with you in a very real way. And I trust that you will meet with us. So as we listen, would you speak? Would you prompt us to pray, to do, to take care of one another? Lord, we don't know what the future brings, but you do. And so we just pause and we connect with you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for not giving up on us. And thank you for never leaving us and never forsaking us. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.